This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Wednesday, May the 11th, and more details have emerged at the trial of a man accused of murdering Kent PCSO Julia James. Jurors have heard from the first witness, a local gamekeeper, who took a picture of the suspect and called police the day after the 53-year-old was killed. Julia was attacked while walking her dog in woods not far from her home in Snowdown, which is between Canterbury and Dover, and it happened in April last Last year. Callum Wheeler, who's 22 and from Sunshine Corner Avenue in Aylsham, has admitted being responsible for Julia's death but denies murder. Our reporter Sean Axdall has been at Canterbury Crown Court. The dash cam on gamekeeper Gavin Tucker's vehicle captured a conversation between the two and as Wheeler hurried away it also captured his 999 call to the police and in the footage played to the jurors this is what he could be heard saying. He, he said there's a suspicious fella and he's running off and there's been a death down at Ackholt Wood near Dover, between Dover and Canterbury. He told jurors Wheeler claimed he was new to the area, which prompted him to know that he was telling lies. And the reason for this is because he twice confronted Wheeler on his property in September 2020. This is what he told the jury. And Mr Tucker, a farmer who owns a farm which includes Ackholt Wood, managed to take a photo of Wheeler carrying what is believed to be the murder weapon. He handed it over to police, who circulated it through the media, which assisted Wheeler being formally identified. Uh, Interestingly as well, the court heard Wheeler had made an abandoned 999 call on April the 17th last year. When PCSOs attended his address, which he shares with his father in Sunshine Corner Avenue, Mr Wheeler could be heard laughing behind the door. He called the officers phonies. He questioned why they were there and he even insisted they were not even the real police. Well, at Kent Online today, you can see the dash cam footage along with CCTV showing Wheeler leaving home on the day of the alleged murder. It was heard on Monday how police had used data from Julia's smartwatch to track her movements that day. You can see a map detailing her walk in Ackholt Wood on the website along with the path where she was found, which was visited by the jury yesterday. A reminder, 22-year-old Callum Wheeler denies murder and the trial continues. Kent Online News. Next today, and the largest probation service in Kent is failing to stop ex-offenders from returning to a life of crime while staff are overworked and badly managed, according to a damning report. Inspectors have been looking at the work done by the service in West Kent, which has offices in Maidstone, Tunbridge Wells, Gravesend and Chatham. They're meant to oversee people who've just come out of prison on licence and those doing community sentences, but they've been rated inadequate. First today, we can hear from Justin Russell, who's Her Majesty's Chief Inspector of Probation. So we inspected the West Kent area probation team in February of this year, and it was a very concerning inspection report on eight of our nine quality standards. We've rated West Kent Uh, as inadequate. We found chronic staff shortages. We found major impacts from the pandemic and only about a quarter of the cases that we inspected we felt were satisfactory against our quality standards. So we think urgent action is is needed as soon as possible to uh, improve the quality of probation work in this part of Kent. Staff that we spoke to in this probation service said that they felt they were operating in survival mode. They felt that their caseloads were unmanageable, they felt there weren't sufficient staff 
for their office. They recognized that there were long waiting times before they were able to provide the services that people on probation needed. So in some ways, it was a perfect storm of factors coming together. We are finding uh, serious impacts from the pandemic uh, in all parts of England and Wales that we are inspecting. And we're also finding chronic staff shortages in a lot of areas, but they seem to be particularly bad in this part uh, of Kent. Over and above those issues, we found a real lack of direction in this service. People really weren't clear what the priorities were for their work. We found some very big backlogs in terms of the waiting times before people on probation are getting any sorts of services or interventions. The really critical thing is the lack of staff in this part of Kent. We think that the level of vacancies is about 30%. So 30% of probation roles in this area were vacant. It's absolutely vital that those roles are filled and that the service then tries to get back to normal in terms of the services it provides. That means trying to see people on probation face-to-face as much as possible. It means making sure that the orders of the court are actually delivered Uh, And it means making sure that morale in the service uh, is improved. Well, the report did highlight some strengths, which included evidence of strong and positive relationships with the judiciary, well-established and well-regarded women-specific services and a largely positive response from those on probation. However, 12 recommendations have been made. Seven of them call upon the National and Regional Probation Service to support this particular unit to help it improve. Well, at the time of doing the inspection, the unit had just over 4,000 cases. That was at the end of January 2022. 1,153 people were in custody and 2,877 on probation. We've also been getting some reaction to this report from reformed ex-offender Lennox Rogers from Dartford. He spoke to our colleagues at KMTV. When I was on probation during the time I was in and out of prison for 21 years and you know the experiences of fellow inmates as well um, when we come out it seems to be a tick box um, you go to probation um, when you're released from jail um, you have to sign to show that you turn up um, many a time no one wants takes any interest in you know how you're getting on um, and your you know what you're going to do to rehabilitate yourself um, so that, that happened a lot. Now, uh, my apologies to those who are good probation officers, because there are some out there. But I, I think that it's very important for young people, especially when they come out of prison, to have that support. But just as with the prison service, they can't solve everybody's problems. And I think probation needs to do a lot of collaborative working Um, And what would work and what has, um, in my experience, proven to work is having um, someone who's been there and done it. So, you you know, an ex-offender who's um, turned their life around, who's broken the cycle of offending to work with the person coming out. Um, You know, you put a male with a male and a female with a female and they will... um, you know, they could answer to probation. Probation could oversee it, but, um, you know, that kind of mentoring relationship would help. What helped me turn my life around was another gang, um, ex-gang leader 
who had turned his life around um, and he mentored me. The Ministry of Justice has been contacted for a comment. Meantime, there are plans to expand an open prison on Sheppey. Bosses want to create another 120 cells at HMP Stamford Hill, as well as new library, healthcare facilities and records building. Concerns have been raised about the extra traffic from visitors, though, support staff and delivery vehicles. A decision is expected to be made tomorrow. It's been revealed a man who was fatally stabbed in Dartford died from a wound to the groin. 22-year-old dad-to-be Maliki Ford was found in Temple Hill Square after being attacked at a nearby car park last month. An inquest has heard he also suffered a cardiac arrest. Two men have been charged with murder. Two men have been charged after allegedly trying to use diggers to steal cash machines from across Kent. Six are reported to have been damaged, including at the co-op in Cranbrook High Street and a Tesco Extra in Whitfield between 2019 and 2021. A Kent man's been arrested following a raid on a garage which is thought to have been involved in installing car compartments to hide drugs and cash. Three cars were seized by police in Bexley yesterday. A 35-year-old from Gravesend was one of four men detained. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Now, heartbreaking tributes have been paid to a four-year-old boy from Sheppey who died following a sudden illness during the Easter break. Harry Broughton went to Westminster Primary Nursery, who've described him as a ray of sunshine with an amazing laugh and good sense of humour. It's still unclear why Harry died. He leaves his mum, dad, three sisters and a brother. A council leader in Kent has today been branded insensitive after being photographed smiling alongside a mayor at the opening of a food bank. Dartford's Jeremy Kite, who's a Conservative, can be seen cutting the ribbon of the new facility. But he's come in for a fair bit of criticism, with some suggesting that no one should smile when new food banks are having to open. Well, Mr Kite has had this to say. The necessity of food banks are a real scar on our country. The organisers thought it was appropriate, and that's why we did it. If the people at the food bank thought it was appropriate, then as a guest, it's not for me to say whether it was appropriate or not. Well, we'd like to know today what you think. We've got a poll within the story at Kent Online and it's asking if Mr Kite should be criticised. So far, 60% of you say yes, while 40 say no. You can also leave a comment within the story or by heading to our socials. Just search for Kent Online on Facebook and Twitter. Well, the cost of living crisis was a key part of yesterday's podcast. Actually, do listen and back for info on that topic that we covered. Tomorrow, we'll be finding out why there have been calls for an emergency budget. Next today, the Kent Online podcast has been told how some women are feeling forced to give up work as they struggle to cope with symptoms of the menopause. It's something women go through in their 40s and 50s and has really been in the spotlight recently thanks to Davina McCall, who's been speaking about her own experience. Well, researchers found that more than one in 10 women have considered quitting their job, while a third say it took several appointments for their GP to realise what their symptoms were. Piroshka Cavell runs a clinic in Whitstable and has been chatting to our reporter Leisha Gallagher. I think for me I've been I have been very lucky really um, in terms of symptoms and things like that Um, but the thing I noticed more than ever was the um, the um, sudden onset of anxiety and uh, feelings of uh, depression which I've never suffered from ever Um, And kind of that uh, feeling lost. There's a great sense of feeling a bit lost, not quite sure who you are. 
Um, and it's unnerving. Once you start having those feelings, it does unnerve you greatly. Um, and obviously other things, you know, the um, weight gain, that kind of thing. Um, and obviously, again, that is my job. I'm an obesity and weight management specialist. But it's really surprising. It just creeps up on you. And just like everybody else, you know. Um, and actually, I'm doing something at the moment to um, support my patients because a lot of women are told that they can't do anything about that. You've just got to put up with it. That's just what's going to happen. You're going to put on weight unlucky, which is not true. Um, and so I am I'm currently, I've entered a bodybuilding contest just to prove to my women and inspire them. Obviously, they don't have to do something so extreme, you know, <laughs> but just to, to give them uh, some encouragement that it can be done. And lots of my patients are actually people who have struggled with the weight gain in the menopause. Um, but yeah, um, for me, yeah, those were the, the main things for me. I'd say. What would you say was, you know, your your worst kind of symptom? I know you said you didn't, you haven't suffered too bad, thankfully, fingers crossed. Mm. But what would you say is kind of your your worst symptom? I know you said that maybe you started to think that you had to dress differently or behave differently. Yeah. Uh, what what was kind of worse mentally for you? I think mentally it's the loss of confidence uh, that suddenly happens. It's as if the floor has been taken away from you and uh, you feel that, you know, should I wear this? You could, uh, making a decision about an outfit to, to, to wear. And especially events, for me, I always get it, you know, for a while, completely wrong. So, for instance, at a wedding, I, I always veer, you know, and thinking, oh, my God, if I wear that, I'm going to look like I should work on the street. That's not good. Um, if I wear something else, I'm going to look like I'm 105 and I don't want to do that. You suddenly notice also that your wardrobe becomes nearly entirely black. It is a re it's a subtle thing, but when you open the doors to your wardrobe, you think, hang on, how did that happen? Um, and yeah, that loss of confidence. You start looking around at younger people thinking, God, I just want to bottle their enthusiasm and their joie de vivre and all sorts of things, times running out, you know, uh, and confidence in your, self-confidence in your appearance. And that's what a lot of women have, have talked to me about, obviously, when they come in here. You know, your skin changes. Um, you know, everything does suddenly appear to head south. Um, and because of our lifestyle, I think, you know, we're not ready for that. It's not as if we're sat in a chair by the window watching life go by. You know, we're all um, vibrant. Well, most of us are, are, you know, are vibrant women out there doing things, still living life, having careers, you know, having fun. Um, we're not ready to give up at all. And I think uh, you have moments where you think, oh, God, is that what's expected of me? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you, you touched on careers there, and that kind of leads me on mm -hmm. to my next question. We've seen a lot of stats coming out about women even giving up work just yeah. because they yeah. couldn't cope. You know, would, would you say you ever considered anything like that or any of the women who have come and, uh, and speak to you? Have any of them considered even quitting their job because it got so yeah. bad? Yeah, a lot of a lot of women have, you know, uh, a, a lot of patients will come in and, and say, I just can't cope. I've just suddenly overwhelmed the sense of being overwhelmed. Bit. I've always been able to manage. I've always been able to, you know, run my life, do my work, hit my deadlines. And all of a sudden I'm panicking about it. And it becomes a, a, a sort of snowball of, of overwhelm. Yeah, I've, I've met many women who have considered that. And some who did, some who just, you know, left careers. Um, because it's very unsupported, It's there's not very many bosses that you can go to and say, okay, I'm going through the menopause and it's just tipping me over the edge at the moment. Lots of women have reported, you know, going to get some help and just being given antidepressants. I, funnily enough, the other day I was talking to a patient 
And they refused, I don't know where it was, but she was refused outright any HRT or anything like that. No, I'm not going to give it to you. I'll give you some antidepressants. No explanation or anything. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it can be devastating for people I've seen that. At the moment, there is a UK-wide shortage of HRT, which women can take to try and alleviate those symptoms. The government has said it's working to solve that current shortage, which some companies have blamed on increased demand. There could be job losses at Kent Police as the force looks to save almost £7 million. It's understood the number of PCSOs could be reduced as part of cost-cutting measures, but we're told key frontline staff won't be affected. There's some frustrating news for drivers in Kent as it's still unclear when Operation Brock will be removed from the M20. The Kent Resilience Forum, who are the people who deal with emergencies in the county, say the traffic management system will remain in place for at least another week. Now, cross-channel ferries are still reduced, despite P&O operating one ship again from the Port of Dover and a second being cleared for sailing. Kent Online reports. Children at a school in Kent have become the first in the country to try out new tech to help with their mental health. This week is all about raising awareness and stats show one in six youngsters have been diagnosed with a mental health condition, while one in four six to ten-year-olds are having problems sleeping. Well, the Sticks Mindfulness Programme encourages kids to take part in activities that improve their concentration and calm them down. We've been along to Laddingford St Mary's School in Maidstone to find out about it. My name's Liam, I'm the co-founder of Sticks Mindfulness and I'm a 25-year-old product designer. So my brother has ADHD and he's only a year below me in school so he's not actually a product user now um, but his story of taking medication when he was younger for his ADHD inspired me to look into this sort of area. It's something that kids can pick up on a day-to-day basis and learn how to breathe so that they can take different mechanisms and calming mechanism, mechanisms into their daily life and yeah, help with their mental health and especially now when they're going through their SATs, different exams, they've just come out of a pandemic where they've been stuck at home all day. It's really important to learn these sorts of mental health, condi- uh, mental health uh, techniques. We've been developing this product for kids primarily, but we are looking to develop it further for teenagers and adults and even potentially elderly people and how we can introduce mindfulness in a, a movement-focused way, you know, looking at a way to encourage them to do it on a day-to-day basis rather than just an app that they have to listen to. It's good, it helps me feel more calm and less stressed. Mm, I like balloon breathing the most because you get to move around while also doing breathing, so it helps you like calm down. I found it really helpful to calm down, take a break from class, and I feel like that's the same for nearly everyone else. I think they've been really helpful to like everyone like calm down because everyone's been like a lot less tense and like. I'd say easier to control. I'm Gemma Hitch, I'm 36 and I'm the head teacher of Laddingford Primary School. We all have mental health and I think that's something that as we go forward and we talk more and more about mental health is something that we all need to understand better and we need to help children understand better. So we all have mental health, sometimes it will be good, sometimes it will be bad um, and it's about having tools in our toolkit and I think you know, we've talked a lot about that already today but sticks being a tool but I think as schools that's what we do isn't it we give children tools to go out into the world whether that's maths whether it's english what we're really doing is giving them a whole range of things they can take off into their life with them and hopefully keep using and and i think we need to do that for their mental health just like we do for their maths just like we do for english just like we do in pe for their physical well-being you know we we do have a responsibility to 
teach them the tools that they need to keep themselves mentally healthy. I think mindfulness is a is a great one of those. Um, there are lots of others as well, but mindfulness, I think, the world is moving so fast for children. They're exposed. Like, I can't remember what the stat is, but I know there's a mad stat about how many pieces of information children are exposed to, like per second, compared to even when I was young, or certainly like my parents and grandparents. It's all moving so fast. Something like mindfulness allows them to slow down, allows them to process something that's happened, it allows them to take a beat and think before they act. Um, it teaches them those skills and puts those skills in their toolkit. I'm Kelly Walker, I'm the Managing Director of Youth Resilience UK. We have a pretty extensive toolkit, whether that be words and, and various things that we've developed over the years or actual physical resources, but we haven't got anything like sticks. Um, and for me, it bridges that gap between they're the young people really wanting electronic input, so screen time, being able to play games, etc. But for us being able to have a real kind of purposeful interaction with them around our work. So it's it's not a, a fiddle toilet like some people would be familiar with. This is an electronic device, but it's avoiding that excessive amount of screen time and giving something in between the two so for me it's been able to kind of broaden what we've been able to work with our apprentice has done an incredible job of putting that within our strategies and making it part of what we do so it's not you know oh we're only here to do the sticks it's part of the way that we work so in terms of schools looking to add to their toolkit then sticks is going to be something that will slot in and fit a gap that they know they've got because the kids want that electronic time um, but this is a really positive way of building a relationship with it. Thanks very much to reporter Temi on that one now it's been confirmed today the Queen's Baton Relay will be making its way through Kent ahead of this summer's Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. It's been welcomed by Commonwealth nations and territories since October and on its final leg will be passed around England towards the host city. In July, the relay's route of the county includes Tunbridge, Canterbury, Folkestone, Dover and Gravesend. We've been along to speak to John Burden, who's the leader of Gravesham Borough Council. I think with the relay, we're looking to start it at the Gurdwara in Gravesend. There will be a baton run from the Gurdwara down to the town pier. So we're looking to have a, a series of people taking the baton on uh, probably 200 meter periods of time between them and then there will be parades and there will be a celebration in the town itself and when we get down to the pier obviously there'll be celebrations there as well so it's a fabulous event and i guess a lot of people might um, sort of compare it to a near olympic torch game um, are you expecting the same kind of turnout response to that should people still be as excited i think they should be equally excited because it is in respect of the 70, 72 years of the Commonwealth. Um, it's obviously going to be in Birmingham celebrating that. So the event itself will be very exciting. It will be very similar to the other event that we held here previously that you've referred to. And I think people should get behind it and they should enjoy the, the, enjoy the day. There's going to be a lot of things happening. And obviously it's coming quite early in the morning, um, sort of 8 o'clock, um, kind of leaving around 9. So a lot of people might be in school or at work, so how is trying to get people to come out? Do people still sort of come down for it, even if it's for a little bit? I'd hope that people will come down for it. And obviously being in town, a lot of residents in town already, who will hopefully spend 5-10 minutes, just come and be part of the parade, part of the event. And it's a memory they're going to have for the future if they can actually bring their children as well to actually see it, that's an important memory that they can never never lose. And I think that's fabulous, something, something to take away from the event and the day itself. At the moment, we don't know who the nominated baton bearers are. Um, that will be announced to us in due course. And obviously, as soon as we know, we will let the public know. 
but hopefully it will be local people, will be people who have done um, very good things and they will represent the Commonwealth and Gratian um, and take the whole matter forward for us. It'd be great. Between 40 and 130 people will carry the baton each day. And finally today, a Costa Coffee and Casper's Desserts is going to be opening at Chatham Dockside. They'll take over empty units in the waterside area opposite the outlet centre. It comes just days after the opening of a new nautical-themed clothing shop, Lazy Jack's, in the old Cadbury store. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.